Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. continue today's title is boast in the lord we read the portion of scripture a little bit earlier where jeremiah says that i will not boast in riches i will not boast in those things we must remember that the corinthians as we're looking at this chapter the corinthians regard for paul has been undermined by their mistaken ideas of his person and of his ministry by and by his rivals who have wormed their way into the church of corinth The issue that initiated his defense in this chapter is his supposed lack of hope or boldness in person. They are attacking his courage, as we saw last week. And so Paul defends himself against their smear campaign that he's weak and ineffective. The heart of the quarrel going on in the book of 2 Corinthians is Paul's authority over the church. Paul here is parenting the Corinthian church as he considers himself their spiritual fathers, as he had told them, you may have countless guides, men and women that may come in and guide you in the way of Christ, but you only have one father. I am the one who came and gave you the gospel and gave you birth. The Corinthians are in need of correction, and as their spiritual father, it's his place as God's elder then to do so. The question is, should he use a rod of iron, or should he use the staff of gentleness? Paul's desire, as we saw last week, is to come in gentleness. He has no desire to beat people over the head. Yet he warns them not to make the mistake that he will overlook the sin that is so prevalent in the church. And that calls you and I also to remember the same thing, is that we, as we are living the church together, God has called us to reflect his glory. And therefore, we need to understand that there may be times when we need to need correction and reproof and some training in our lives. Paul prefers to use persuasion rather than to rail at them, and he'd rather use reason arguments to coax them into submission rather than just to beat them into submission. Today, as we look at this next chapter, chapter 10, 12 through 18, Paul is going to continue his defense by pointing out the arrogance of those that are in rival or the rivals uh, against him. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and let's just read through that passage of Scripture uh, together. I'll read out loud if you'll read silently as we read 12 through 18, where he says, as he continues, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but we will boast with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come to all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, 
our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Father, I ask for you to give us wisdom this morning. As we read your word and now as we interpret and apply it, I pray that your Holy Spirit will give me the words that are speaking that are beneficial. Help us discern between your word and between mere man's opinion. But I pray that your Spirit will now begin the work of toiling in our hearts. Turn up that rocky soil. Cut down those weeds that may choke and take the cares of this world away from us. Lord, may it find seed deep into the soil of our heart. May it grow, may it be planted, may it be watered. And Lord, may it be increased. Lord, as we leave here, let our lives be changed. May our minds, may the way that we think, the way that we act, be transformed by your word. We pray this in the name of your Son, Lord. God's people said. So let's go on. I want to give three observations here as we go through this passage, as Paul is pointing out the arrogance of his rivals. The first point we need to understand is Paul is saying, listen, you need to look at me and them. Okay, He's contrasting their attitudes and their actions with what's really going on. And he's up, and we've already seen that. He says, listen, I am a faithful minister of the new covenant. And we've looked at that several months or a month or so ago, where that was Paul's calling. He says, listen, I am a man called of God. And so what he's contrasting is those that are arrogant with what a man of God really should be. And the first point of observation I want you to see is that a man of God is not a braggart. If you're taking notes, if you like to just write those types of things, a man of God is not a braggart. Look at verse 12. He says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. He says, they're fools. What they're doing is they're comparing themselves to one another, and in comparison, they feel, look at how great I am. They're braggarts. They're bragging. And this is not something that's uncommon. In the Greco-Roman culture, it was infatuated with the race to honor. It was all about honor. It was all about achieving a higher status, a higher privilege, to have someone look on them in a greater way. That race included self-promotion at the expense of others. To smear and to tear down others was a commonplace rhetoric device. Self-boasting actually was considered a badge of honor. We don't think much about self-boasting today, but in those days, it was a badge of honor. Comparing yourself to your opponent meant amplifying your good points to their bad points. Look how how good I am. Look how bad they are. You and I understand this because this practice is very much like the mudslinging and the smear tactics of today's politicians, right? In which they do everything they can to brag about their achievements and to tear down others. Not only that, but we're also very familiar with it because in sports we call it trash talking. And I can just remember, you know, you just play and that's always what's going on. It's, a, it's almost bragging is now a thing that we're to do. 
Of course, you can look at the, the, the advent of Facebook and you, YouTube and all sorts of ways in which you can promote yourself, your self-brand. You want everyone to know who you are. Well, in this case, it was by comparing themselves with each other, and then they would build themselves up. Rivals were trying to take over Paul's planning ground. It was he that had spent those years in the, at the church of Corinth. It was he who planted that church, who, who gave his sweat and his toil and his love and his tears to that ministry. And after it's been built up, they come in and they want to take it over. Not only that, they want to claim the harvest or the fruit of his hard toil as their own. And they were using criticism to ferment rebellion against Paul. And that today is still a way in which many people use to get control. It even happens in the church of God as it happened then. It's not uncommon for people when they want to get their agenda, they start to use and compare themselves with with other like-minded people. Why? Because it builds themselves up. They're no understanding. They never compare themselves to the real deal. And Paul is saying, listen, is these people are not honest. Now, comparing ourselves to others is commonplace and normal. Something that helps happens. But what Paul is about to do in this, in, this, in this passage that we do today is he's going to set down the proper ground rules for boasting and determining what is true or valid commendation. They're building themselves up by tearing down Paul, and Paul says there's two things you need to realize. Is one is we do not boast of our own accomplishments. You're not to be a blowhard. For theologically, that's wrong. For how can you boast of anything thinking that it is yours? It's God who determines our influence. Whether our influence is a small church, a mid-sized church, or a bigger. God is the one who determines where we plow and where we plant. And also their wrong thinking is the fact that they think the fruit is theirs. Taking on and reaping what someone else has already sown. And Paul is going to say, as we continue on in the next week's chapter, Paul says, my boasting is within bounds because I don't try to assert my superiority over something to the, or superiority over others by comparing myself to them. See, he measures himself by what God has done in him. And that's the difference between these rivals of Paul and Paul himself. For they, they would compare themselves with each other, making themselves look good, but never comparing themselves to what is true. In actuality, this is something that's happening in, even in the church of God today. There is a group of young pastors, and I'm not going to give names or go into detail about it, but if you, you follow them, you'll see that they always have many conferences and all these types of things and blogs and so on and so forth, and it's not uncommon to read their blogs or to go to the conference and to find that each other are always having, if you have a conference, I'll have you speak, you have a conference, and then you have me speak, all the while always building up each other and encouraging others in ministry. And the goal is to get, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, is to get um, identified with one of these men, then you're in the in circle. And what they do is they compare themselves with each other, but they never look and find themselves measuring themselves according to the measure of God. 
And then this, you will see that the problem that's happening in these churches is the gospel is being lost. That's what happens. Paul here uses the word, he says, not that we dare to classify. Paul uses the word dare here in a mocking tone, kind of tongue-in-cheek, to mean something of the effect of, how can I compare myself to these people? Look how great they are. Well, in reality, what Paul is trying to put into the effect is that these people are not my equals, for they do not measure up to the right standard. You see, they believe they are equal with Paul, yet Paul writes that they are false apostles, that they are servants of Satan, and that Paul himself would be a fool to compare himself with them. David Garland writes that Paul's rivals have set themselves as a measure of spiritual legitimacy. They judge themselves and Paul according to their commanding presence, their concrete displays of power and authority, their impressive speech, their worthiness to accept full compensation from the church and from the people for their Jewish pedigree and for the endurance of their hardship and mystical visions, as we'll see in the next chapter. What we need to realize is that when we measure ourselves against each other or with each other, we fail to truly see it. It would be something like me coming and saying, you know what, I'm six foot four. Now, you would all believe that, right? I can take someone else and say, I'll have Brandon come up here, he's a little taller than me, and I say, see, I'm six foot four because Brandon is six foot six and six foot seven. Or take in Reg, who's even a little bit taller, and say, well, see, I'm six foot four because he's six foot seven, six foot eight. Or bring someone else shorter and say, well, he's six foot three and he's actually only five foot three. That's really kind of what's going on. And if you really want to tell if I'm six foot four or not, have Matt come up. And we'll see the difference. There's a big gap, by the way, between six foot four and six foot five, just to let you know. It's about like that. But that's what's going on. You, you can see the folly of what they were doing. But Paul had earlier in the first letter to the Corinthians had warned them against setting one person against another. He says, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos. Remember in the first chat, in the first book, they were saying, well, I'm from Apollos. Others were saying, well, I'm from Peter. Well, I'm from Christ. And others, well, I'm from Paul. And these rivalries and all these comparisons were tearing the church apart. And Paul says, I don't do that. He says, I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of, these things, that none of you may be puffed up in favor against one another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If you then received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? These rivals were looking at everything that had been happening to Corinth, and they were taking credit for it. And we're not giving honor and glory to God. As James tells us, every good and perfect gift comes down by the Father. They were viewing it as it was them. And look at what I had done, and look how great I am. But a man of God is not a braggart. The problem was this pride that was so prevalent in this church and using it to, to, to put in a wedge between Paul 
and the people that he loved. The pride of these men bear poisonous fruit, for it led to envy, it led to jealousy, slander, and eventually rebellion that was hurting not only the church, but also the reputation of Christ. I pray that we never become a church that hurts the reputation of Christ. The man of God is not a braggart. We need to compare ourselves to what is truly. For God has not called us to be in the, in the business of self-promotion, but in promoting Christ. Which leads us to the second point that Paul, that Paul comes to. Is that a man of God is concerned with the kingdom of God. A man of God is concerned with the kingdom of God. Look at verse 13. For he says, but we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were first to come all the way to you with the gospel, for we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. In other words, Paul's boast in his, in his authority is not based on who he is or what he is compared to someone else, but it's based on the work he has done in Christ and for Christ in the region that God assigned him. He's not, a, he's not concerned about what God has not given him. He's going to just boast on those things that God has assigned him. As he said in 1 Corinthians, what is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. He realized that as a man of God, he should be about the kingdom of God, not someone else's kingdom or his, or how his ministry might be compared to another. You see, Paul was concerned with his ministry assignment and not others. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Romans chapter 15. Let me show you how that looks. In Romans chapter 15, Paul's concerned with his ministry assignment. He's not concerned with others. He's not concerned about how he might look in Jerusalem or among the Jews. He says in verse 17 of Romans 15, he says, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. There is nothing to be, there's nothing wrong, by the way, to have pride in what God is doing through your ministry. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is the pride has to be in balance. He says, I have every reason to be, uh, to be proud of my work in Jesus, verse 18, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. That was his ministry, that was his calling. By word and deed, by power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, I have, I have put up my name. My name is everywhere. Everyone speaks my name with awe and reverence. It's not his, that's not his goal. Verse 20, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. 
Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone's foundation. He's not about making a name for himself. He lets Peter's ministry be Peter's ministry. He let Andrew's be his, Mark's be his, so on and so forth. His goal is to do what God has called him to do, for he knows that he's building the kingdom of God, not his own. However, as we see in verse 15 and 16, that these people, the rivals of Paul, they have no qualms about building on someone else's foundation and then trying to take the credit for it. Why? Because they really don't care about the kingdom of God. They care about their own self-advancement. They were concerned about their own race for honor. They wanted their names up in the big lights. They wanted their name to be before the title. In Romans 15, 24, Paul writes that he's looking forward to visit Rome and then Spain. What Paul is saying here to the Corinthians, he says, listen, you and I need to get reconciled, which they were very well on their way to doing, but he says you need to get take care of these people that are creating such rebellion and such division in the church, for they keep you divided. So his goal is, is once you are in obedience... Once you see what is true and what's real, is now that we have that together, now I will be able to go out. You will be able to send me out to all places that God has called me to do. Paul's goal was to go to Rome and then to Spain. Not quite sure if he ever made it as far as Spain, but that was his goal. Why? Because Spain has not yet heard the gospel. And this is just a side note, I think, as a church. One of the things that we should be passionate about is missions. We ought to have a desire for all the peoples to praise God. Why? Because that's what God's desire is. That's why God created us, so that we would turn and give Him praise. And so as a church, we ought to be able to send missionaries. We ought to be able to support missionaries. I'm praying that one day God may send several of you, maybe even more of you, to be either pastors or missionaries. Maybe some of you sitting here, God is calling you for that. But what we ought to look at is not sending people to wherever God is already proclaimed and build on, on someone else's ministry or dovetail. We ought to be looking at places where God has not yet been named. And there are many, many people that have not yet heard the name of Christ or have no credible Christian testimony or the gospel has not have a, has, a, has found a bedrock or no church has been established. We ought to be passionate about that. Why? Because that was God's passion. That's Paul's passion. We're not going to build on someone else's ministry. We want to build on the ministry that God has called us to. So here's the question. He's really asking them, he says, a man of God does not advance his own, but he advances the kingdom of God. So here's the question. This week, in all your undertakings, in all your business, in all that you did this week, did you advance the kingdom of God or did you advance your own? Who has heard the word of God from your lips this week? Who have you shared the gospel with this week? In what ways have you glorified God with your actions and with your finances and with your parenting and with your marriage? Or have you been about advancing you? A man of God, a woman of God, is concerned with the kingdom of God. 
for that's what's real. So he says, a man of God is not a braggart. Man of God is concerned with the kingdom of God, which brings us then to the third and last, which is very simple. A man of God is humble. A man and woman of God is humble. Look at verses 17 and 18. He finishes out this portion of 2 Corinthians by saying, Let the one who boasts, boast the Lord. He's quoting Jeremiah here. We read it earlier in the service. For he says, It is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. So we would have these people, they're commending themselves. They're promoting themselves. Look at me. Look at what I've done. You know, they're sending out the tweets. They're sending out the Facebook blasts. They're sending out all the things. Look at what we're doing. Blowing their own horn. Paul says, you know what? You can do all that. You can have a million followers. You can have all these people listening to your messages on the Internet. You can have all these churches and multi-sites. You can be a conference speaker. You can do all those things. But in the end, it's not man who's going to commend you but God. John MacArthur writes that humility is a true and genuine sense of conviction. That one, listen to this, that one is utterly and completely unworthy of the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God and incapable of anything of value apart from those divine gifts. How humble are you this morning? Do you have that sense that I'm not worthy of the divine gifts of God? Or are we all full of ourselves? James tells us that God opposes the pride or the proud but gives grace to the humble. In 1 Peter, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility for one another. That's not what was going on in the Corinthians. He says, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at a proper time, he may exalt you. You may live in this life, and you may never see the acceptation here until it comes time to the glorification. Do you want the praises of God or do you want the praises of men? Well, we need to realize that all human boasting is groundless because it's based on appearances and not reality. You and I, we have to realize that we're not to take credit for God's work and for God's moving. Pride is destructive. I don't have time to do it, but take, your bio, or take a, a pen and write down Daniel chapter 4. Verses 19 through 36, in which Daniel is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He's disturbed by the dream. Daniel tells him the dream. And in it he says, your pride will be your downfall. And sure enough, Nebuchadnezzar one day walks out and he the one who made what we call one of the seven wonders of the world, the hanging gardens. He looks out and looks at all of his at all of his kingdom. He looks at all the things that he has. And he says, look at what I have done. And a voice from heaven essentially says, you fool. 
And Nebuchadnezzar is driven away from his castle into the forest where he goes crazy and for seven long years. It says that his fingernails were like eagle talons and his hair was like feathers as he became a wild man traping through his own forest. Until one day after seven years, God opened up his heart and his eyes and he realized who the mighty one is. Pride is destructive. And you and I will fight that our whole lives. It's the original pride, is it not? Satan had an eye problem. I this, I that, I this. Then he does the same thing to Adam and Eve. He says, look about you, it's all about you. But every good gift and every perfect gift is from God. Paul, though, had a humble heart. If you were to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 very quickly, he says in verse 1, he says, This is how one should regard us. Not as braggarts, not as great men of God, not great entrepreneurs, not men that just move nations and move policies. But he says, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ stewards of the mysteries of God. And it's required of stewards that we be faithful. For it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For he goes on, Therefore do not pronounce judgment uh, before the time, before the Lord comes. For he will bring into light things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purpose of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So you have a choice. Self-commendation or God-commendation. Which one do you want? For God is the last and final judge. God's people said. But I wonder, you may say amen, but I wonder how many of you truly believe that. For has your life this week been lived as God is the final judge? Have we lived in that type of way? You see, we're only approved and commended by using the Lord's standard of judgment. As he says, do not do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. I love the King James where it says, Study to show yourself an approved workman that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly divide the word of God. The Corinthians had forgotten to do that, neglected. And in there, they had allowed the leaders in who were taking them from that. We must be better than that. For us today, here's the question I want to ask as we look at those three observations. A man of God is not a braggart. A man of God is concerned with the kingdom of God. A man of God is a humble. Let me ask you, as we see a microscope of, or of what the Corinthian church looked like, I need to ask you, how would OVBC look like if you and I lived this way? If we were humble. If we recognized that one day God will judge. How would Christ look if we lived this way at home, work and recreation? What would his reputation be if we truly lived humble? Instead of seeking our own, we sought the good of others. I think Christ will look much better. 
I believe maybe then we'd see people come to know Christ by our lives and by our words. We must realize the end of pride is death. Galatians 5.19 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The great thing is is that the gospel speaks to this issue of pride that you and I struggle with. For he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. The Corinthian church was not fulfilling this. The gospel speaks to that pride that's so buried in our heart, that that desire for self-promotion, that desire to be uh, envy and jealous of others when we see them succeed. Must be careful. In 1 Peter, Christ gives them some instructions to Christians. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. But here's the point. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you're looking for something to compare yourselves, then here's the mirror. For in God's word we find what God has called us to be. But there's a warning of Christ in Matthew chapter 7. You may want to turn to it. Write it down in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Christ has a warning concerning pride and a trust in your works. These braggarts that were fighting Paul, they took and said, look at all that we do. And as we go in chapter 11 and chapter 12, you'll see that there are some mighty works they did. They called themselves super apostles. But in the end, they were commending themselves by comparing themselves not with Christ, as Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, but with each other. Self-delusion was the cup that they drank from. He says, concerning pride, not everyone, in verse 21, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's what those rivals of Paul probably heard if they did not repent, confess, and turn from their sin. And as your pastor, my desire is that none of us, none of you, will ever hear those words. That's my prayer. That's my concern. That none of you will ever hear from our Lord, depart from me. But I'll pray that you hear the words in Matthew chapter 25 
when he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The men and women of God are not braggarts. They're more concerned with the kingdom of God rather than their own. And they are a humble people seeking to please their Lord. For he is the final and last judge. Father, we come before you and we thank you for this word. I pray that now you would let the Spirit take this and do the work that you planned before. I pray that you would shake the very foundation of our minds, of our philosophies, of our hearts, that we may look deeply inside and you would expose any secret pride, any secret self-promotion, any secret self-commendation, and Lord, that you would yank it out in just one fell swoop. Make us humble servants of you. Thank you for the work that you called us to do. Whether big or small, let us be faithful, Lord, as we long to hear the words of well done. Enter into the joy of heaven. Thank you for that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.